What is up, guys? Welcome to the Sup World Show. My name is Dustin West. I'm here with my beautiful, sexy co-hosts, Jordan Shaw and Jeff McInerney. Right, thank you. Nobody's ever that was Christmas. Either. Coming off the holidays. I feel fat as ever. <laughs> this is worse than Thanksgiving. Oh, oh for I sure. spent four days just absolutely shoving my face with food. Yeah, I was sick the week before we went to Vegas for the Olympia. And so I was like seven days straight in a workout. We worked out a couple of times in uh, Las Vegas and we were at the hotel. Felt a little bit better, came back, felt like shit, got on a plane, went to New York the next day, worked out once when I was there. So. Wow, so you traveled twice. I forgot about New York already. Yeah. How was the flights these days? <laughs> Can we talk about airline gonna... bullshit and if you had to travel, I have multiple stories, but I just... Mine was, I mean... Our, obviously, our Vegas thing was a nightmare. Our flight getting canceled. Well, delayed three hours the night before for no reason whatsoever. No justification oh. from the airline. Other than I think what their excuse is right now is, oh, we're just too short-staffed. That's like every notification that I was getting on our delays was, well, we're short-staffed. We're well, there short-staffed. is some weather going on right now, but this was right before yeah, the weather, saying, really was before the weather yeah. popping off. So we, you guys took eight, eight of you went to Las Vegas. We took five staff, Dustin and Kelsey as well. So six total or eight total, my apologies, and I spent eight hours on the phone with American Express, American Airlines, trying to get the flights redone and ended up going nowhere with it. Jeff was our travel concierge. It, yes, yeah. I sure was. Solver. Give shout out to American Express. They do take care of you when you use points, but it was still a disaster. It's tough to do. American Airlines is a freaking joke. I mean, you know Amex it. has a great system and a great points and reward system, but actually getting through to customer service, they're great and they, they'll help you out, but it takes an extended period of time. It takes a long yeah, I'm an time expert now on how to get, get shit through. done. But yeah, eight hours, you guys end up not making the first flight rebooked. You paid gobs amount of money just for a one way flight Legion, straight yeah. to Vegas. Got there. So that was great. And then realized they canceled our flights home that we had agreed that we're not to cancel. American Express said it would be on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're talking another three, four hours on the phone. And then even the night before it was settled, and then the next morning we wake up and Jordan's like, uh, by the way, we still haven't got confirmation. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's on. And Dustin even said, no, it's got to be on. Call him back. No, looks like they still never put it through. So another two hours and drama. And then last night, my mom well, slept let, in the airport, by the way. We're not we're not done yet with the Vegas yeah, no, trip. Because Kelsey and I stayed a little longer than everybody else. We were there another three days. We stayed until Wednesday. Everybody else left, left Sunday. So we got their flights figured out. They all went back. When Kelsey and I, the night before checking flights what the hell it's not there try to call amex still nothing on hold forever um finally get through after a couple hours okay we're gonna rebook it we'll put you back on there they did put us back on there but not us they put me back on there so it looked like everything was good to go because i checked the app you know here's your boarding pass blah 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 but after further investigation it was just dust and wes on the itinerary no kelsey banworth so um, tried to spend another two hours. Eventually, said, "You know what? I mean, I, I ended up getting hung up on. I just I just booked a new flight and, and just decided disaster. we're going to get re- refunded for it." So my point is like, what business can get away? That's like the only business can get away with. Literally, they have one star reviews when you Google them. Almost every damn airline, it's an absolute disaster. People still book flights because at the end of the day, there's just so not that many options, especially in Wichita, Kansas, to fly out. And I mean, I prefer to drive. Yeah. If it's fly. less than 10 hours, yeah, I'm it's driving. worth driving. Yeah. It's 
So. Which I mean, some of our flights, you know, if you're just popping a flight to Denver and stuff like that, I mean, it's that those aren't bad. We had no issues when we went to New York. I mean, we came back from Vegas Sunday night, got here at like midnight on Sunday or something. I was home Monday, and then we left, and our flight left Wichita at six thirty uh, Tuesday morning. Got there, got there here to Chicago, Chicago to New York, no problems whatsoever. And then that storm rolled in. And I was just, the whole time we were in New York, I was like, dude, we're going to get fucking stuck here. I'm like, we're going to be stuck here over Christmas. Like, so the whole time, like the first day that we were there, I was all messing with the United app, trying to figure out, okay, okay, can I switch to another flight? Because if I can kind of bypass Chicago, which I knew was going to have like the worst part of the storm. So I found a flight to go into Denver and hopefully, you know, by Friday, the storm has already passed Denver. We won't have any issues. Well, flight out of New York, got delayed an hour, and then another 30 minutes, and then another 30 minutes. So we left New York two and a half hours after we were supposed to. So our flight took off to go to Denver. It's a four-hour flight. Obviously, there's the you know, two-hour time difference. And like an hour into being in the air, our next flight was already gone. Right. So then we finally land. I'm thinking like, okay, maybe like our flight got delayed, you know, two and a half, three hours. Maybe the next one did, so we'll be fine. We land. Oh, your flight's been canceled. So our flight was already supposed to leave an hour before we even landed. It got canceled. And it gave me no other options from any airline to get out of Denver. So we start calling rental car companies. First three companies we call in the airport. While we're still sitting on the plane, like waiting to unload. Mallory's on the phone. I'm like, we'll drive. It's, at this point, it's like six o'clock. Uh, the night before Christmas Eve, I'm like, okay, well, it's a seven-hour drive. We can at least make it halfway tonight and then get up and drive the rest of the way. No rental cars available. Nope, nope. No and I'm like, see. dude, no way. So I finally uh, got on Southwest flight. There was a flight out of Denver at like 1045 that night. So I'm like, okay, we got like five or six hours to kill until that flight, whatever mm-hmm. else. Luckily, ended up finding a United flight pop back up. So I was able to transfer over to the United flight. I was supposed to leave at 10. That flight didn't end up leaving until midnight. So, I didn't, so we did, finally rolled back into Wichita at 2.30 in the morning, Christmas Eve. So it's worse than a coin flip. I said flying right now. I was like flipping a coin, 50-50. So you were 0 for 2 yeah. in, in flights. Well, no. I mean, went off like I, I was convinced because we flew American, American out to New York. And after dealing with our American stuff to Vegas, I was like, I was convinced all of our flights were going to be messed up. All no, of our flights were on time, it, no issues. It's seriously a coin flip, though, right now with actually making flights work. It's, that's why we got to have our own plane. Well, I am I am licensed yeah. as a private pilot. But max with four people or plane six? Plane coming soon. I can I can fly a plane up to eight passengers. Oh, okay. Well, so, that helps. I mean, we just have to stop a few times on the way to Vegas, probably. No, we could probably make it. One stop. What, what's the mileage there? I mean, I'd say it's like 1,500 miles. Ooh. 1,200. Yeah. Could be wrong there. Might have to stop no once. I don't have my phone, so I can't look it up. Can't fact check you. <laughs> but circling back around to Vegas a little bit, I do kind of want to touch on, you know, outside of the flights being a total disaster, this was the first time we took that many people. So, you know, in our industry, we have these different expos. We go to, uh, we used to go to a lot of the ones in Dallas, the Dallas Europa, go to some of the Arnold expos in Ohio, and this is the Olympia Expo in Vegas. So generally in the past, we've just, taking, you know, one, two of our top guys. This time we took Six. three of our top guys, and we also took three kind of spiff winners that we did. 
So as far as these expenditures, I mean, it was not a cheap trip whatsoever. So we do things like this. We do our Christmas parties, which costs us thousands as well. But at the end of the day, these are culture building, brand building sort of things um, for your employees, for your staff, and with the party things, you know, for customers. But I guess my point is, don't be cheap when it comes to extracurricular stuff outside of, you know, payroll outside of what you do in the company. It's an experience of a lifetime for them too. Exactly. First, first time to Vegas for most of them. Yeah. So all of them, it, it wasn't. It was a long way. Out of the three girls. Yeah, all of them. First time to Vegas. Yeah, something like that. When you talk about building the culture, I mean, you can't. Like you said, you have to do things like that. If you want to get good people that are bought into what you're trying to to do and have respect for you as owners and really appreciate the things you do for them as staff members, I mean, you know, things like that just... Because the day-to-day work stuff, especially especially if you have a business to where you have somewhat more of like entry-level or like younger employees... You know, the day-to-day stuff can get mundane and boring very quick. People get complacent. So there needs to be outside activities outside of the workplace, outside of what your employees are doing on a day-to-day basis that, you know, build more, I guess, trust or more, just more excitement in the actual job. Yeah. You know, and then also, I mean, you're going to build longevity with good people. Yeah. Yeah. Something for... It's a retention tool. Also putting stuff together for people to look forward to. Yeah. Spiffs and contests. Well, just like the, the tiered bonus structure for all-time sales. I mean, right. Doing stuff like that. I mean, that gets people really excited to try to get to that next level to get their gym allowance, and then they get paid time off. Yeah, we're certainly in the days now where just paying people is not going to cut it. I no, mean, no, you, not anymore. We're, we're, at the, we're in the days now where they don't work for us. We work for them in a way because if we don't have staff, we're going to have to make a lot of changes, and life's not going to be fun. And But – yeah, you got to share the wealth and have fun and take people on trips. Well, with a lot of people too, income isn't the only motivation. Yeah, exactly. So you need to have all. more incentives in your business to incentivize and motivate your employees outside of just their pay. And bonuses are great, but again, a lot of people aren't motivated just by money. More, A lot of people are motivated by recognition, outside events. Well, here's my last job that I work for. I cannot remember and i probably got hundreds of bonuses i can't really tell you about those bonuses i can tell you my about first time trips, at vegas right? yeah. i can tell you my first time to chicago with them i can tell you that we won a super bowl trip that i ended up not going on but like those things are the memories you're going to always have in winning contests and doing those instead of just three hundred dollars or three thousand dollars right and you know obviously a lot of businesses aren't in the place whether you're a new, new business or startup that you can justify doing like a Vegas trip or a Super Bowl thing or whatever. But there's always things you can do outside. I mean, we have these small events too. We'll have team dinners, Dinners, chicken and pickle events, you know, whatever it is, just to get people together outside of the workplace, create a bond between your employees. It's just going to expand your culture. I I think this generation now, it's like you said, it's, it's not about, okay, well we can't pay you as much as these other companies or we're not paying our people enough. We need to pay them more. It's like, yeah, obviously everybody wants to make more money, but I think this generation, especially that, you know, 18 to 22, 23 year olds, what they're looking for is to be a part of something. They want their opinion to matter. They want to have a say in what's going on. And that alone, like you said, recognition is huge. Like if they feel like they're being recognized as an important, you know, part of the machine that you're building in your company, then they're going to stick around. It's not necessarily always going to be about, Oh, well, I need a dollar more an hour or this, this company, they're paying me. Like I got this offer that came along for 50 cents more an hour or whatever. You're not going to lose those people. If they're 
feel like they're valued and they're bought in and they, they're a part of a culture. Right. Yeah. Cause those raises are mostly mental. Those are mostly like, yeah. I feel like I should be worth 14 an hour instead of 13. I'm like, okay, do you really feel that way? Or, yeah. <laughs> or did somebody tell you you could get 14 hours somewhere else? So you're right. It's, it's where people want to be and what they can do and contribute and being part of a growing team and culture is huge. I mean, we're now in year 10, almost year 11. And so it, sometimes doesn't feel the same, even though we're as big as we've ever been. We got more stores than we've ever had Company's still growing, but sometimes you have to keep letting them know, Hey, we're still growing. We are nowhere where we want to be. We are only still beginning. I mean, 30 years from now, we're going to look back and hopefully laugh at where we're at right now. So, well, and making people feel a part of the process yeah. because they are, I mean, we, we could not do that. It would be physically impossible for the three Correct. of us to run this company. We by could ourselves. only have two stores, right? One. Yeah. One, if two would be very hard, one would be doable, but yeah, I mean, no matter what the business is, chances are you're going to need a good staff. You're going to need other people to help you build what you're trying to build. And right. you got to make people feel a part of that because they obviously are a huge part of it. So don't you wish we could be in a business where we could just piss people off every day and still sell out tickets and Shout out say, Amex. sorry, no, not Amex, American airlines or Delta or whatever. And Oh no, the worst though. The worst, and it's been a little better than a few years ago, but is security getting through security? Uh, you know how they treat you like absolute shit. Like Dustin, one time a guy looked at him and goes, "What did he say to you?" He kind of like eyed you up. He's like, "Hey, tough guy." Yeah, I and mean, I like, get what? the security thing because you're talking about employees here with zero incentive, and chances are, a lot of times, if you're in that security position, you know, you have somewhat of you, you, you kind of got in. You, have this kind of power trip control thing. So I get that. But what I never understand is actual businesses who just f- completely fail in all aspects of customer service and somehow continue to thrive, right. you know, and especially when it comes to any sort of like government type service or city, city work service. I was just dealing with Kansas gas service, trying to just simply turn on gas for one of my houses that we're flipping. And it's just number one, a nightmare to even get connected to anybody and get something set up. And then when I did, it's like, okay, yeah, we'll have a technician come out tomorrow between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. And I'm like, well, can you, can you give me a little more solid of a time yeah. window? Narrow that down. And then it ended up being like 6, 6 p.m. in the day yesterday trying to, you know, find out when this tech's coming. I have other things going on. And call the customer service line and, oh, no, sir, your, your, your service is still, still scheduled between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. I'm like, can you narrow it down? For, no, we can't. Okay. Thanks for the accommodations. No, nothing. Yeah. And you're going to like it. Yeah. Or you're not going to like it. Yeah. You're, you're, you're either going to deal with it or too bad. Don't get our service. We don't care. Let's, that's just, yeah, government employee stuff. And you're always going to deal with that. I think the tricky part to navigate, you're talking about growth in our business is it was a lot different when it was the three of us and a couple other guys you have a bunch of guys that are fully bought in, you know, treating the store as if they own it. And the customer service is, a, you know, above and beyond everything. They have a personal relationship with every single person that walks in the door. The tricky part becomes how do you navigate keeping that same level of customer service, that same energy when you have eight stores and 20 something employees that, you know, maybe some of them only work one or two days a week or whatever. So that's really, for me, I think has been the toughest thing to really try to navigate the right way. And that's been a lot of what we've been tweaking and changing and trying to get better at is how do we get our people now to have the same 
energy level and overall just you know, ownership, ownership level, store cleanliness, right, everything about Because we know that in order, like from us to get to three stores to five and five to eight, that's what it was. I mean, we were all bought in 100% all the time, you know, put, you know, pedal to the metal trying to get this thing to grow. Well, now if the people on the front lines don't share that same energy, you're going to stall out. I mean, sadly, I do think you have to somewhat expect a reduction in your output, a reduction in your overall quality with more scale, with more delegation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to happen in, in anything. I mean, you master a craft and then you want to scale it. You want to grow it bigger. You have to have other people doing it. And those other people most likely aren't going to be as proficient in it as efficient as you were great point you brought up Jordan, because I still sometimes feel like the, that we are in the past and you probably got a phone call yesterday. And sometimes I can react when I see things I don't like. And it's just like, no, I know I'm just, but I'm so still 2014. Like, no, we used to just, have our shit together right. and yeah. things well, were perfect. Everybody that we good. You got to think it was you and I, and then three core guys yeah. that, that we were we all wanted. on the same page. Yeah. We, we all knew how to handle whatever situation we knew how to make the store look. We knew how to run the business completely in all aspects. And when you start growing and years go by and you have more employee turnover and you have younger staff and that quality is going to be reduced a little bit, but, who, but right. And it's tricky. And I think that's where some business owners see the value in capitalizing on their profit margins and staying smaller. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I mean, I can believe it. I'm like, damn, why, if you're doing that well, why wouldn't you want 20 or 30 or 40? Well, yeah. Because you can make the same amount of money with three right. good ones. Right. <laughs> and less stress. But. And that's where it's, it's tricky. It's like, you're okay, not helping out the customer. You're not people. helping out as many people. You're not helping out ambassadors right. with, by just staying small and you playing small does not serve the world. Someone told me once. So yeah. that's why we're playing bigger, but yeah, but I might say, I just, I understand. I've never really understood that really probably until like the last 18 months of our turnover rate and constantly trying to find the right in people and putting people in the right positions. And it's, you know, like I said, it's a difficult but thing. When something's not done right, who am I most mad at is me and us, because it's like, we're obviously not training properly we're right. not doing the things we say oh sometimes. yeah you we, always have to point the finger it is yourself. always that's why i'm pissed i'm like god how did i let this happen how did i let this happen and yeah it's just because it's easy to not do it's and guys, easy to do easy not to do and guys on this podcast as you can see we don't claim to be experts in every aspect of business you know we're, we're three business guys here but this is a current problem that we're trying to work out and you know we've been dealing with with these sort of issues now for you know, quite a while and we've gotten better, but we're still not anywhere close to where we need to be. And I don't think you can ever say that like, Oh yeah, we're, we're perfect at it now. Got it we've all figured mastered out. mastered our training. We've mastered our operations now. Like, no, there's always things you're going to figure out as you go along, you implement this new system and then, Oh, we can tweak it a little bit. Oh, we can do this. As soon as you think you got it, you're going to start going backwards. Right. Sure. Can't think that way at all. No. Like I said, so, what what's the house flipping biz like these days? Jordan, by the way, have you ever tried to flip a house? Those suckers are heavy. <laughs> yeah. I knew that was coming. What's the <laughs> question ever? Greatest joke. That's pretty good. I did flip. Didn't you have to be handy. I we flipped, talked about I that. I flipped my first house. The flipping game, man, it's stressful. It it uh it it has its up and ups and downs, obviously. We're coming out of this crazy period of time we had in the market. So things are settling down and it makes it kind of weird with houses that you had real estate that you had prior um, to the market coming down a little bit. 
It's interest rate seven and a half now. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Prime. It's a lot tougher. Things oh. are inventory is moving a lot slower. Inventory is there's a lot more on the market and the demand is a lot Dude, lower. I mean that's why like people that that capitalized when the interest rates were as low as they were, you don't realize how much of a difference we did. That makes. We got we got two houses. He got out, two but, out, but once again, you really don't want to be that person that makes all your money in the easy times because when it starts to get hard right. then you're like what the f- this is not right. fun at all yeah yep. i just think some of these people now that even in you know probably in the last six to 12 months that completely overpaid for a house with a way higher interest rate than like you know even you say six percent is high i mean it's high relatively speaking i just got to low. yeah it's still low yeah i think my parents at one point in time they were like 12 percent on one of their houses yeah it's like eight percent just couldn't even imagine that now well yeah i mean i when when i got into it it was you know traditionally 20 to 30 to forty thousand is a killer margin on a flip house you know in that in the inventory level of two to three to four hundred thousand dollar house um, I got into it to where we're looking at a hundred thousand easy. Yeah. Just because yeah, in, I, I mean, inventory that. was just, it was just, everything was going way above asking. Yeah. That's wild. So we know like real estate long-term is good. One of the best investments, of course. tax advantages, but flipping homes on the flip side is if you flip a home, make money real quick. Yep. You don't get the greatest tax saving. Isn't the it's idea a lot riskier of a game, but the income... Well, the profit's great. It's just you're, you're, you're going to pay those taxes. To, there's no write-offs, that, right? You got to roll that into the next project, right? Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, our number... One of our... I would say our number one perk of if you're going to be in retail, because it sucks that half your money has to go back to product, but American Airlines points is pretty legit. So paid for that whole trip. Well, I was supposed to pay for it. Annex points. Right. Yeah. Jesus, you guys are I all, said American Airlines. You guys are all Jeez. turning around. American <laughs> Express. A- okay, a- another huge perk with Amex. Get the platinum card if you travel a lot. This, the lounge, and Jeff oh, can God. attest to I'm this. I'm a lounge guy. <laughs> He's a lounge guy. The you lounges, want a layover. You want, yes. You will want the flights with the, with the long layovers because the lounges in the airports, the Amex lounges, are legit. The Centurion Lounge. It's like unlimited buffet food, which changes constantly. Like one time we left Atlanta because we were – that we were just done with the trip. We're like, just get to the airport early. And there was like three different courses of meals that came out. Yeah. And all you can drink, everything. It's just a cool, chill, chill place. But I mean, still, I don't want to be at an airport for five hours, but if you have to, if you have to be there, that's the way to go. I felt horribly for my mother last night. She got, so I don't even know where she was stuck. I think Dallas on her way to Utah to see my brother. I mean, I have had some disaster flights. I've never stayed the night in an airport. No, She just got the worst end of the deal. I got close. I thought I was going to have to. And, and at one point, she was on the plane like two hours before they came on. It's like, okay, we finally found the pilot that's going to fly us. Ugh. And then 45 minutes before they said another word or Jeez. left. It's just apps. It's just what other business can do with that? I don't know. So speaking of credit cards, I, mean, I feel like that's a good topic for like business owners and stuff. Yes. At what point in time did you realize, oh, shit, okay. we can just rack up a bunch of credit card debt? So here's a story. Early on in the Andover days, our first store, we were running out of money. I was personally out of money. Sales weren't doing great. We were trying to get product. I was actually looking at like loans and all this stuff. And I realized, oh my God, I mean, I'm 31 years old. I have a lot of credit cards I've never used. I can just figure it out, you know? And so, and luckily we never really got too out of control. I mean, for a person making 40,000 a year, what I was making, I mean, I wasn't making 40, but 
that kind of debt sucks because it wasn't a business credit card. But I knew that the business owed it back to me. I knew that we were going to be fine when we start opening the other stores. So you originally were putting it on oh, personal. Yeah. Personally, yes. The first three years that now we didn't start off that way. It was like month eight, nine, ten down the road, and then year three. I think year three when you guys came on board is when we finally got an American Express business card. Because like when I tried to go get a home loan, and Mike's like, "Oh, by the way, you have all this debt on your personal credit card. Like if it's a business card, it doesn't go against me." Right. But now we were paying these cards down, but there was still a revolving fifteen thousand here, twenty thousand here, and that doesn't look good on a personal. So now, now I have zero debt. I have completely How difficult zero was it debt. to for the business to apply for a credit Very card? Very easy. Yeah, it was easy. I mean, what was the limit starting out? Well, Jeff had already oh. been an Amex member for Yeah, I'd already 10 been an Yeah, that helped. Oh, okay. I'd say it started out like our limit was like 10 grand on like the Capital One card, which by the way, Capital One 2% cash back is amazing. If we were to do that today, we would make a few thousand dollars a month, but it's taxable. So even if putting that, all we would do is be taking that two, three grand, putting it applied to the card. We have to pay taxes on it. So to get American Express points that we can buy flights, gift cards, all that stuff, that's non-tax, yeah. non-taxable income. So that's why we stopped doing cash back. Getting a business credit card is fairly easy, but I mean, I would say Amex, right? Yes. So when we first Amex had it, remember we were like 20 grand guys, like we're at our limit. Oh, and then Amex, one day we were like, wait, we have 30,000 right. on this. Wait, it's 40 now. Whoa. I will say they start increasing us. Amex out of all the other credit card companies will skyrocket your limit very fast. If you make a couple on time payments, I mean, it goes up quick. I mean, one time we probably had, I'll just say it. We were like 178,000 and we've, we paid it off in 30 days. We, we don't have credit card debt. Like we, it's a charge card. You have to pay it off in 30 days. And when you do that, you build a lot of rapport with them. So we're never like carrying over a big balance because we're literally paying four or five, 6,000 a day, you know, towards the credit card. I probably need to apply for an Amex for the hair salon. Cause dude, I tried to do the American or uh, capital one spark card. Dude, they were trying to get me to like, okay, we need your last year's tax returns and any, you know. So this will be good. Tell us a little, tell us a little bit about the, the salon, what, what your wife Mallory was doing beforehand and how she converted over and the kind of income differences it's made. Yeah. Big difference. I mean, obviously we haven't paid taxes yet, so that's going to be a a little bit of a culture shock there, but she was with a salon here in Wichita for almost as long as I've been here. I think she was a B young, like right around the same time. Um, So about seven, eight years there. And the way they're commercial, they're a commission-based salon. So essentially how that worked is, you know, all of their booking, everything they had, um, uh, a front desk man or receptionist or whatever that handled all of that stuff. So they could just go and look at their schedule, see who they had for the day. Um, there's a lot of other perks that came with it, but the salon kept 65%. So 65% of whatever revenue she brought in. And then she made like a small commission base on any, uh, product sales. So, I just as she got bigger and bigger and busier and she kept increasing her prices and she would look at, you know, her net income at the end of the year, it's really tough to see like, Oh, if I double, if I was on my own, I could double that essentially. And obviously you still have to pay taxes and stuff like that. <clears throat> so we looked for probably like six months to have like a small salon where she could have a couple stylists in there with her, just kind of starting out a little bit smaller and commercial real estate, as you know, was just an absolute total nightmare and we actually found a place and I told the guy, I'm like, yeah, I'll sign the papers right now. Let's do it. And he backed out of the deal. He decided he didn't want to, he didn't want a hair salon to be in there, which was a total kick in the nuts. But, uh, she ended up finding a new suite studio that was being built over by Topgolf, uh, 96. So good, good location for right off the highway and just alone. I mean, 
she has more than doubled her income just in you know that small period of time switching over. Obviously, there's a lot of hoops that I you have to jump through and start an LLC, get all your tax information done, and go to the bank. You make sure your bank knows that you know what's going on and whatnot. So it's a little bit more of a headache, but luckily for her, I'm doing all that stuff for her on the back end, so she can just focus on taking care of her clients and creating a really good experience and mastering her service of what she does so that when we get her into a bigger salon, she knows then how to duplicate it and what the, the what type of experience she wants to provide for her clients. But, oh, yeah, I mean, she's more than doubled her income so far already. I mean, just in the first few months of doing that. That's awesome. And what is standard, like 65%? I think so. So every everyone's different. So you have, like, what she's in now is a suite rental. So she has her own suite in there. It's a private blocked off from everybody else. Um and that's just a standard set, you know, monthly rate. Just like, I mean, she basically has a landlord and she has to have cover insurance and a few other things. And then you have booth rent, which is going to be kind of similar, but like you, you're just in an open salon. You don't have your own, your own little private room or whatever. And that's just a, usually a weekly rent that you pay to whoever owns the salon. And then you have commission base, but. And I, yeah. And I, I mean, I think what she did, you know, creatively thinking like, how can I do this on my own? I mean, I think if you're in whatever industry you're in working, always look for that opportunity to branch off and do your, I mean, outside of our employees, supplement world, don't open any supplement <laughs> stores. Um, you do not want to do that. It's, yeah. And I'm not trying to scare you because we're so big and badass, but no, it's a tough, it's, it's tough. You couldn't pay me to go open this. <laughs> <laughs> no, cause you make way more. I, mean, not I would never want to do it. <laughs> okay. It's not that bad. No, I'm just saying like, we're just it's thinking a of hard times. Cause guess it's what? We don't, at first. For, what for do they say? Personally. You don't think of your successes. You think of your failures more often. What I tell you, what, what, what I'll say I'll never do in the future again is open a retail store. Right. No, re, no, no more yeah. retail. No. Any other businesses I do, no more retail. I just think pizza and beer is so easy. Food. <laughs> yeah. Food's not easy. Food is say. a whole nother animal. Yeah. We don't know anything about, but yeah. opening a bungee fitness studio with my fiance Kelsey. Yeah, we're exciting. talking about that on the next fitness Friday. Yeah. Coming up soon. Oh yeah. yeah. Make sure to well, stay guys, tuned for that. This has been a hell of an episode. Not worthless Wednesday. <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Thanks American Airlines. Big shout out. All right. Thanks guys. It's been the Sup World Show. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah.